This week on Blue 58, we're in the age of the minicamp, so who's lining up on offense for the Packers? You may be surprised how many positions we can already nail down, but beyond the starting lineup, things are getting a little bit iffy. Let's take a top-to-bottom look at the Packers' offense. Blue 58! Hello and welcome to another episode of Blue 58, the one, the only podcast of thepowersweep.com. I am your fearless host, John Meerdink. Excited to be with you here for number 80 on this podcast journey. Episode 8-0, we are taking a look at the Packers' offense. We've got a pretty good guess already who's going to be doing what on the Packers' offense. I know it's May. I know training camp for two months. I know preseason really doesn't start for almost three months. I don't care. We really do have a pretty good idea what the Packers roster is going to look like. A surprising number of those spots are already locked down, and that's as good a reason as any to take an in-depth look at the Packers roster. We're going to do a top-to-bottom analysis of who's going to be doing what on the offensive side of the ball for the Packers. We do this Primarily because it's fun. I know some people say tongue-in-cheek, you know, it's way too early to be doing this stuff. And I would push back by saying, you know, no, it's not. We do have a pretty good idea, I think, as you'll see, of who's going to be on the Packers offense later this year. But, you know, first and foremost, this is fun. All of this is for fun. If you're not having fun talking about the Packers, thinking about the Packers, watching the Packers, writing about them, whatever, you're doing it wrong. It Even if it is your job... There should be some level of fun in this, and I'm having a blast doing this, and I think that's one of the things we've really got going at the Power Sweep in Blue 58 is we have fun doing this, and I hope that fun comes across. So let's have a little bit of fun and look at the Packers roster, probably in more depth than is merited in May, but still realizing that there's a lot of stuff that we can nail down even here as I record this on the 8th of May and as you listen to it on the 9th. I've divided the Packers offense into four different categories. Uh, four different levels of surety about making the roster. Uh, first, there's the locks, the guys whose spots are all but guaranteed. Uh, then there are the good bets, guys who I think have a, a 50-50 shot or better at making the roster. Better than 50-50 shot, that is. Some of these guys are going to be like 85-90% chance of making the roster. Some of them may be 60-70%. to 70%. But all, all of these guys, I think, uh, a better chance than not of making the roster. Then there are the guys that are in trouble. Uh, maybe worse than 50% chance at making the roster. Um, some of them, again, could be closer to 50%. Some of these guys are closer to 0%. Uh, a, a guy like uh, Joel Boagnon, Boagnon I, don't even know how, I don't even know how you say his name. He's a running back, real big physical guy, probably not going to make the roster just because of, of the numbers game. Um, but, you know, who, who knows what can happen? That's part of the reason we're having this discussion. Finally, the wild cards, the guys who could really go either way. And this is where I think the, the roster really takes on some of its character. Uh, these are guys that could end up being big contributors for the Packers at some point this year. They could end up out of the league three months from now. You really don't know. It's hard to say. We're going to need to see a lot of these guys on the field and elsewhere before we can really decide. Uh, so let's go through each of these four categories, starting with the locks. There are nine locks on the Packers roster right now, and we're not going to spend a whole lot of time on this category on this category of guys because I think it should be pretty obvious. There, there aren't going to be a lot of surprises here. First and foremost, Aaron Rodgers. Yes, I think I can go out on a limb and say that Aaron Rodgers is going to be on the Packers' final 53-man roster. Any objections to that? I don't think so. 
beyond that, at running back, Jamal Williams and Aaron Jones. I think there shouldn't be a lot of discussion there either. Both of those guys probably locks for the final roster. At receiver, Devontae Adams locked in as the Packers' number one option. No debate there. Uh, also, though, Randall Cobb, I think he is locked in um, at a spot on the Packers roster as well. I think I've seen a few people who still believe that he may not be guaranteed a spot, um, but I think if the Packers were going to cut him, they would be cutting him because they want to save some money to clear up some salary cap space. And to be sure, they could do that. They could clear up a lot of space by releasing Randall Cobb. But any advantage they'd have gained by cutting him, any space that they would have gained, any opportunity to use that space is pretty much gone. There aren't a lot of good reasons to to be freeing up that amount of space at this point in the NFL year. If you wanted to cut him back in you know, February or something and set yourself up to make a big run at one of those high-end cornerbacks, that was the time to do it. Now, there's really no reason to cut Randall Cobb. Uh, Jimmy Graham at tight end, no duh. Uh, he is going to make the roster. On the offensive line, I think there are only three spots that are locks. You've got David Bakhtiari at left tackle, Lane Taylor at left guard, and Corey Lindsley. The only surprising part here, I think, is that there's only three guys, but I think that that is not necessarily a bad thing. The Packers do have a lot of options on the offensive line, but there are only three guys, I think, that are absolutely guaranteed spots. If you want to throw Mason Crosby in with the offense, you probably can. Technically, he's probably an offensive player more than a defensive player. But really, specialists have their own category. And we're not going to spend an entire episode talking about um, the specialists for the Packers. Right now, there are four of them on the roster. They have two long snappers around. But uh, they're only going to keep one. And it really, as long as they're happy with him for a week-in, week-out basis, there's not a whole lot of time, <laughs> a whole lot of reason to spend any amount of time thinking about your long snapper. They're only a problem... Uh, when they become a problem, I guess, right? The good bets. I think there are nine more of these guys. So that brings us up to 18 guys already on on offense that are, uh, at, at the very least, um, 50-50 shots or better at making the roster. And given that the Packers are probably only going to keep around 24 to 26 players on the offensive side of the ball, we're, we're already most of the way there. Uh, if if all of the good bets make the roster, that's 18 of those 24 to 26 spots taken up already. I, I don't think a lot of people think about it that way, but you can pretty much nail down these spots this early in the year. So who are the good bets? Well, let's start at running back. There are no good bets at quarterback. Um, the other two guys we'll get to in a second. I think that there are two other guys with realistic shots at the roster. You probably can guess who they are, but I don't think they're even good bets. I think they could could go a couple different directions. At running back, Ty Montgomery, I think, is a, is a pretty good bet. I think all of us can envision a situation where Montgomery doesn't make the final roster. A lot of things would have to happen for that, though. I think the Packers would have to be really comfortable with, uh, with their rookie wide receivers, and I think there would have to be another running back that really emerges as that third back for the Packers to keep. I don't think they're going to end up in a situation again where they only keep two running backs because that bit them so bad a couple years ago only having two guys available. They really had to run Eddie Lacy literally into the ground and that ended up ending his career in Green Bay. 
And James Starks was not a good enough backup, a, a consistent enough backup to, to justify just keeping the two. The Packers won't make that mistake again. So I think there are going to be three backs around, and I think the third of those three backs is going to be Ty Montgomery. Montgomery. Aaron Ripkowski is the other back I see as a good bet. There aren't a lot of other serious contenders to take his spot at fullback, but you never know. Somebody could emerge between now and July. Mike McCarthy though, loves his fullbacks almost as much as he loves his tight end. So I think there is there is going to be at least one fullback on the roster. Right now, it looks like it's going to be Aaron Ripkowski. At receiver, this is where I think it gets a little bit interesting. I think Jamon Moore is the best bet of the Packers' rookie receivers to make the roster. First and foremost, I think he is the most pro-ready of the three rookie receivers. He runs the best routes. I think he has the best body control. Of the three, it seems like he probably has the most consistent hands, though all of them have similar criticisms, I, I should say. some They're all criticized a little bit for their route running. They're all criticized for having inconsistent hands. That's why all three of these guys got drafted at the fourth, fifth, and sixth rounds. But also, on top of more being the most pro-ready, the Packers just don't cut fourth-round picks in their first year. They haven't done it since 2006. Oddly enough, it was also a wide receiver then. Corey Rogers was the guy to get the axe as a rookie. Prior to that, it was another receiver, Anthony Lucas, in 2000. And prior to that, it was an offensive lineman named Jeff Miller in 1995. Since 1990, those are the only three times the Packers have cut a fourth-round pick in his rookie season. All three of those times, that guy did not go on to play for any other NFL teams. You have to be really bad to not make the roster as a fourth-rounder in Green Bay. I think Moore seems like he's going to be at least good enough to get a shot as a rookie. Seems like a pretty low bar, but to me, he seems like a pretty good bet. At tight end, Lance Kendricks is a good bet to me. He's not spectacular, but what other options are there? Is there any rookie or second-year guy, if you think of a guy like Emmanuel Bird, who you really feel like super thrilled about putting as your number two tight end ahead of Lance Kendricks, keeping him over Lance Kendricks? I don't think so. So I think Kendricks is a good bet kind of by default. The offensive line gets a little bit interesting for the Packers this year starting with Brian Bulaga. I think Bulaga makes the roster, and I think he's a lot like Randall Cobb. Sure, the Packers could save some money, not a lot of money, not just tons of money, by releasing Bulaga. But any benefit they would have gained by releasing him is pretty much gone already. Plus, Bulaga is not as expensive as some people seem to think. He actually counts less against the overall cap this season than he did last season. Not his cap number, but as a percentage of the total cap figure. This year, he's he's taking up 4.5% of the overall salary cap. Last year, it was 4.7. So his is higher, but since the cap has gone up, he takes up less space on the roster. If Bulaga comes back from his knee injury and plays 10 games at a normal Brian Bulaga level, or even 85% of a normal Brian Bulaga level, I think he's fine at a $7.9 million cap figure. Then maybe next offseason you cut him, he only counts $1.6 against your cap, and you move on. I can live with that. 
I'm not part of the group of people, pretty obviously, I think, who are always trying to cut Brian Bulaga every year. And that's a surprisingly large contingent, it seems like. I don't know why. So a guy gets injured. That happens. It's football. People get hurt a lot. Moving right along. Other other guys with questions on the offensive line that I still think have a good shot. Uh, starts with Jason Spriggs. This year, I think, is the make or break year for him. Sure, he's got four years total on his contract. This is year three. So he's got two years left. But I think this is this is it for him. Uh, second round pick, the Packers traded up to get him. I don't think there's a real good chance the Packers cut him, but it's move it or lose it time. They really got to see what they have in him this year. We know he can't cut it at guard. We know he's inconsistent at best to tackle. So it's time for him to show a little bit more consistency. He's got all the physical gifts in the world. He just hasn't put it together yet. I still think the Packers give him another shot this year. Kyle Murphy, uh, very much in the same boat, though... (laughs) A very different sort of player. Spriggs is the all-world athlete. He looks like he could probably play play tight end if you asked him to. Um, so far, he hasn't played a lick. <laughs> really, has not been worth putting on the field hardly hardly at all. Murphy is the almost exact opposite. Uh, never known as being a great athlete. Uh, kind of that has that baby face doughy sort of look. Kind of looks like a giant Pillsbury doughboy. But I liked what the Packers got from him last year. Uh, He was really solid. Then he had really unfortunate injury issues. But I think he's a really good bet uh, to make the roster. But he could have some problems from the next guy on this list. Cole Madison, the Packers' fifth-round pick. He's everything Kyle Murphy is, but a little bit bigger and a little bit stronger. He also has that guard-tackle versatility that the Packers look for. He seems like a pretty good bet to make the roster to me, and he does kind of displace a few guys that did a very similar sort of of job last year. Finally, uh, among the good bets, I think you have to take a look at Justin McCray, just for the simple fact that you, you have a hard time betting against him. Just look at the story of his career so far. It's really, really hard to not root for Justin McCray and not believe that he, he can pull something spectacular out of his hat here. I mean... Two years ago, he was working in a hotel, playing arena football. Last year, he was a, a consistent starter for the Packers on the offensive line. Wasn't spectacular by any means, but he was playing out of position a lot. Yeah, it's hard to not believe in the guy. Guys that are in trouble. I think there are 10 of these guys on the roster right now. We're not going to spend a whole lot of time on this group because I think it should be pretty obvious that a lot of these guys are just going to be camp bodies. First and foremost, Tim Boyle, the quarterback. There's no chance that the Packers are going to keep four quarterbacks. They're probably just getting a look at him to see if he's the sort of guy they want to keep around on the practice squad. Moving along to running back Devontae Mays and the aforementioned guy whose last name I just do not know how to pronounce, so I won't try it here. Mays, a seventh-round pick last year, did absolutely nothing. In fact, he may have done less than nothing because he fumbled, I think, two out of the three times that he touched the ball. Numbers game again for both of these guys. There's really no reason for the Packers to keep four running backs again. If it's one of these two guys, it's probably going to be Mays. He's uh, big, fast, and uh, he's he was decent in the screen game a little bit in the preseason last year. Wide receivers are another interesting group, especially in comparison to the group of guys that the Packers drafted this year. The Packers drafted guys that are all big, and tall and fast. And this group of four guys, 
who I think are in trouble this year, all have some of those qualities, but not all of them. Trevor Davis is fast, but not big. Geronimo Allison is big, but not fast. Michael Clark is big, but not fast, and still pretty much just barely knows how to play football. Then you've got Colby Pearson, who's pretty much just too Colby Pearson. Sorry, Colby Pearson. That's just kind of how things go. Uh, you're fine in the preseason last year, but you're going up against three draft picks this year. A guy for a draft pick from two years ago, a guy who got a fair bit of burn on the active roster last year in Geronimo Allison, and a pick from last year in D'Angelo Yancey, who we'll talk about here in just a little bit. I think all four of these guys are in trouble, and I think they're going to have to be spectacular in the preseason uh, to really merit a look here. Rounding things out, we've got three offensive linemen who would be a enormous surprise if they make the active roster. Kyle Meadows, Dylan Day, and Austin Davis. All three of these guys sound like fictional football players in a football movie. The wild cards. This is where things get wild, I guess. I guess that shouldn't be super surprising. I called them the wild cards. Maybe it does get a little bit wild. Starting with quarterbacks. Brett Hundley and Deshaun Kaiser. What do you make of these two? Honestly, I don't know where you go with either one of these. Kaiser's like kind of a bigger version of Hundley. He's got a bigger arm, and he's got the same accuracy issues. I don't know if I believe Mike McCarthy when he said he'd have been a first-round pick this year, but he was pretty much a first-round pick last year. Uh, The Packers seem to have seriously considered taking him with the first pick of the second round last year. I don't know why that was ever really a thing. Maybe they thought they had a deal in place for Hundley. Who knows? It's an interesting little bit of trivia and makes it all the more interesting that Kaiser is on the roster now. Hundley, what do you say about him? We know what he is, who he is at this point, and that is not super great news for Brett Hundley. Um, There is something to be said for familiarity, uh, good and bad, I guess. Uh, There is familiarity with the offense, but there's also that saying that familiarity breeds contempt. And I think there may be some fans with a little bit of contempt for Brett Hundley right now, given how things played out last year, especially with the amount of time that he had to get ready for those opportunities last year. Ultimately, I think the situation here is the Packers might hold their nose and keep three quarterbacks. If one goes, I think it's Hundley, and I think the Packers can work out a deal to ship Hundley somewhere for something. I mean, for crying out loud, they got a conditional draft pick for Laurenti McRae two years ago. They can get something for Brett Hundley. You just got to find someone. With as rare as quarterbacks are in the NFL, someone somewhere is going to talk themselves into Brett Hundley. It's just going to happen. Wide receiver, we got three wild cards here. I think you start with Marquez Valdez Scanting, Scantling, and Equinemius St. Brown, but you also got to throw D'Angelo Yancey in there as well. Two of these three guys, I think, are going to make the roster, probably. But all have question marks. Yancey did some good things in the preseason last year, but his calling card, his size and speed combination, is the same as the other two guys. Both Valdez Scantling and St. Brown are known to be big and fast, and Yancey isn't as big or as fast as either of those guys. On the other hand, it's really tough for rookies to make it in the NFL as a receiver, especially in the Packers' offense. When's the last time you saw a Packers rookie receiver come in and do really well? James Jones did pretty okay, and he had like 600 yards as a rookie. That's about as good as it's been for rookie receivers in a long time. That's a big reason that 
fact is a big reason why Yancey didn't make it last year. It took him too long to adjust, and by the time he really started coming on in the preseason, it was just too late. That could also be why he has a bit of an edge this year. Tight end is another sort of interesting situation. My gut is that the Packers are going to keep a third tight end for special teams purposes. That's generally what they've done in the past. But who is that going to be? They've got four options. Emmanuel Bird, Kevin Rader, Ryan Smith, and Robert Tanyan. Bird probably has the edge of these four, but that's probably just because he spent time on the active roster last year. Beyond that, who else do you put on your roster? We've seen the Twitter highlight threads for all of these guys, but that's that's pretty much it. And some of these guys are playing at pretty small. So what value are those highlights anyway? What value are any highlights, really? But uh, it, it's really hard to guess which of these guys is really going to make a jump and, and really not looking for huge contributions from your number three tight end anyway. Probably, again, just special teams. But you do like a guy with a little bit of athleticism there. And of these four, Bird is probably the most athletic. Finally, the last three wild cards on the Packers offense uh, are all on the offensive line. Kofi Amici, Adam Pankey, and Lucas Patrick. At least one of these guys, I think, is going to make it to the active roster. And all three of them have their selling points. Amici's the best athlete. He fits that guard-to-tackle pipeline or tackle-to-guard pipeline the Packers have have utilized in the past pretty well. He played tackle in college. He'll play guard in the NFL. He even did a little bit of center for the Packers at points in, in training camp last year. Panky got the call when the Packers needed help early in the season last year, made it up to the active roster. He, too, can do a little bit of the guard and tackle stuff. And finally, Lucas Patrick is probably the best guard of the three. But again, who really knows? He did, didn't get just tons and tons of time last year. The good thing is, for the Packers and for all three of these guys, is that all three of them are at least theoretically versatile, which is a great skill to have if you're looking to make it in the NFL. And it's a great attribute to have of the guys on your roster if you're looking to build an offensive line as the Packers are. Like I said, at least one of these three guys, I think, makes it in large part due to their overall versatility. So that's a look at the Packers offense. I think, like I said, there there is quite a bit that you can already nail down uh, in this group of guys. Again, 18 guys are at least a good bet already. And if you throw in another three or four of those wildcard guys, you're up to 23, 24 guys already. It, it's not rocket science predicting the roster. And I think we can put together a pretty good prediction here already in May. Do you have any thoughts about it? Let me know on Twitter. Tell me, uh, tell me I'm all completely wrong. Let me know on Facebook. Shout at me. Whatever. We love to get your feedback. Had a good discussion with a guy in the comment section of our blog, which we do do have, by the way, uh, today just about the Packers draft. So never hesitate to reach out. While I've got you here, I wanted to take a, talk, uh, a second and talk about something that is, I guess, near and dear to my heart. And it was interesting to not really see any sort of mainstream media coverage of this announcement by the NFL and the NFLPA. Got this news release late last week uh, titled, The NFL and NFLPA Partner with Cigna to Host Forum on Mental Health in Sports. Basically what's going on here is the Packers, not the Packers, the NFL is doing the bare minimum to talk about mental health with their players and the people involved in taking care of those players. 
And I know it'd be great to see the NFL do more, but I'm encouraged to see the NFL doing anything at all to take care of their players' mental health. Mental health is a tricky thing, especially in a super macho sport like football. And I have some firsthand knowledge of that because I was once a college football player at a small school in Northwest Iowa, and I was going through some mental health stuff at that time as well. I've really talked about it on the podcast before, but at times in my life, mostly in my early 20s, pretty much exclusively in my early 20s, actually, I've dealt with some depression and anxiety issues. And it's something that I'm fairly comfortable talking about. I just haven't had the opportunity to talk about it before. And to see the NFL doing things like this is encouraging to me because if it can help just one guy, just one of those young NFL players who was the age that I was, early 20s, mid-20s, just trying to figure things out, if the NFL can help one of those guys make a few decisions that makes their life better, that helps them deal with some of the stuff that they've got going on, this is worth it. Sure, it's clumsy. Sure, the NFL is not great at this, but I don't think there's any professional sport league, sports league that really is great at it yet. And it's encouraging to see the NFL take some steps. Because as I said, a locker room with all these big, tough, professional athletes guys is not always the most welcoming place for anybody who shows any kind of weakness. And any sort of issue with mental health is too often perceived as a weakness. But I think that talking about it takes a great deal of strength. It's not a cry for help. It's saying, hey, I want to do whatever I can to fix this. Things are not okay for me right now. And seeking help is a way to actually make something happen. You're not just sitting there doing nothing. You're trying to fix it. And giving people the opportunity to fix it is, I think, a great step for the NFL. And if you're one of those people out there who is dealing with mental health issues, don't hesitate to reach out to anybody, me specifically. I don't think it's super hard to figure out where to get in touch with me via the power sweepers or something else. Just reach out. Talk to somebody. Talk to anybody. The first step is probably the hardest one, but just telling something, hey, you know, I'm, I'm not as okay as I would like to be, can do so much. And I just hope that anybody who hears this is willing to do that. I know that's kind of a serious note to end on for this week, but I think it's worth talking about. And I, I hope you forgive me for getting a little bit serious there for a second. Thank you so much for listening to Blue 58 this week. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, Really, over the past month or so, we have had a tremendous month or two of growth in terms of downloads, in terms of listens uh, at Blue 58. So well done on you guys. Thank you very much for spreading the word about the Power Sweep. If you'd like to reach us, you may do so, as you always do at thepowersweep.com or on Facebook or on Twitter or via email at thepowersweep1959 at gmail. Your support is ever so gracious, and if you would like to support us financially, you may do so by donating to our Patreon at patreon.com slash thepowersweep, or by buying one of our many fine t-shirts via Teespring. Click the store link at thepowersweep.com to find your way there. Or, if neither of those options appeal to you, you may support us for free by leaving us a review on iTunes if you'd like. Let us know your thoughts and 
That'll help other people find the show as well. We do always love to hear from you. Any feedback you give us, give us helps make this entire operation better, helps Blue 58 become better, and really helps all of us become smarter Packers fans. And as I say each and every week, smarter Packers fans are better Packers fans, and better Packers fans are what we're all trying to be. I am John Meerdink. We will see you next week on Blue 58.